We'd like to welcome everyone back to the Nova Society, and today we'll be talking about the Supreme Court and some of the ethical issues that are arising with the court and what possibly could be done about it. So let's listen in. Okay, Brooke, so today we're going to be talking about something that is definitely in the news that involves one of those institutions of government that you normally don't talk about, and that is the Supreme Court of the United States and the issues that they seem to be having with ethics. And it's... (laughs) Big time! I mean, you're you're really not supposed to have that issue in the Supreme Court, but there are some ethical concerns, and the popularity of the court has in fact decreased. It used to as, be that this has the confidence level. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was always that compared to the presidency and of course the Congress, the Supreme Court always had the best reputation and that is now being tarnished. So, so what are you thinking about the old Supreme Court and its ethics issues? Well, it makes me wonder uh, whether in the past there have been ethics issues that um, we, the people in the United States, were unaware of because we did not have the fine journalism of uh, uh, news uh, organizations such as ProPublica, nor were there social media and the other uh, types of technological advances that we have today that permit for uh, immediate transference of news and information and fact checking and so forth we just weren't aware of it however the the information about certainly about justice thomas is very alarming more information continues to come to light that have caused or that has caused a drop in confidence and trustworthiness of the supreme court as you said, the while the presidency and the Congress have not enjoyed a tremendous amount of faith from the American people, the Supreme Court was always felt in the past, at least, to have been very trustworthy, very confidence-inspiring, and uh, held above, held in very high esteem. And that has now changed, and a great deal of damage has been done. Uh, I, I don't think that the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the Dobbs decision, that did not help the credibility and, and the, the feelings of, shall we say, the warm and fuzzy feelings toward the Supreme Court. However, the, the damage done from uh, the highly questionable decisions uh, that that Clarence Thomas has made in his personal life, in the non-reporting of all the gifts and the conflicts of interest with um, with his wife Ginny Thomas and her election denialism and so on and so forth, and the fact now that unfortunately Diane Feinstein, it, I'm not sure if she is still in the hospital. However, without her being in the Senate and at at work, there is no means of subpoenaing any member of the Supreme Court or anybody to come in and actually have a meeting. As I understand it, Justice Roberts, who is the uh, the head of the court, has declined to come in and speak to Congress. Uh, there is no supra-justice who is minding or overseeing the Supreme Court. Apparently, the founders and, and, and the framers felt that any individual who was 
elevated to such such a supreme position would would be able to uh, have such high ethical standard himself now herself that such oversight would not be necessary however clearly oversight is necessary and a change of some type needs to be forthcoming and as with and as with the situation where we have uh, Mr. Trump who is seeking now a second nomination for a second presidency who is indicted and under criminal investigation and we have not nor has our democracy been face face with such a situation before we are now also confronted with a uh, an unprecedented situation and there's a few things to unpack from that. First would be let's let's take Senator Feinstein for just to start out with. It's a little bit in my mind. It is a tad uh, selfish on her part. She should have resigned. She's done a lot of good work over her years, and she's going to be remembered as the senator that they basically had to drag out of there. And that's that's unfortunate. But Senator Feinstein, to me, it's it's a it's a show of great selfishness. I think her legacy is going to be, and and she does have a, a very fine legacy. I think it's going to be tarnished by the fact that she could have resigned. She has a Democratic governor who would have appointed another Democrat and could have filled the seat, and then the true majority of the Senate would have been remained intact. So that, that's where I'll start with that. You mentioned subpoenaing a Supreme Court justice by the Congress. I'm not actually sure that that's possible because of the division of powers between the branches of government. I'm I'm really not sure. I don't think that's ever, in fact, I know it's never, I'm pretty sure it's never been tested. And I'm not sure that they could get away with doing it. That's why Roberts was able to decline the invitation, which was just an invitation. And his statement was, no, that that kind of blurs the lines of the, divi- the, the division of the branches of government, which I can I can understand. However, the Supreme Court has the ability to clean its own house. It seems unwilling to do so. Congress is now thinking about creating ethic rules for the Supreme Court. And I'm not even sure if that's constitutional. I don't know if one branch of government can create ethical rules for another. The Congress has its own ethical rules, which it doesn't follow most of the time. So you're going to have the Congress, who is not very popular, is not always the most ethical of bodies of government, make ethical decisions for what used to be, and is still a little bit, the most popular and most trusted branch of government. And these guys, these people are going to create ethics for them. I think the thing that disturbs me the most in this, Clarence Thomas is a legal scholar. This should have been a no-brainer for him. I, I have the utmost respect for Chief Justice Roberts. I don't agree with a lot of the, his decisions. But I always respected Scalia, even though I didn't agree with a lot of the decisions that he made. I always respected Scalia because he made the argument. And his argument was based on his interpretation of the law, which is what his job was. And I believe Roberts has the same has has the same background and, and is made of the same stuff. Just came out that, that Chief Justice Roberts' wife made $10 million in a, in a business that she that she runs that basically puts lawyers into law firms. Okay. 
I, I, I don't really have an issue with that. But that is something you should disclose. And the fact that these legal scholars, what are considered the greatest legal minds in the United States, cannot figure out that this has a measure of impropriety to it, it makes me question maybe their ability to make the decisions on the legal cases which are coming before them. To the average person, this stuff is a no-brainer. So how can a legal scholar not understand that? And let's let's make no mistake, that's exactly what the Supreme Court is. Yes, they're judges. Yes, they're justices. Absolutely. But the fact is, is that they're there because of their legal scholarship, because of their history of being legal scholars and judges and lawyers and, and their understanding of the law. And what they're basically showing us is, is that they don't even understand the most basic tenets of ethics. I think that's where I get caught up with this this whole issue of the Supreme Court. If if you were to say to to most average people on the street, even in a lower court, this is a judge. He was out drinking with the defendant. Should that judge recuse himself if that defendant comes before the before the court? I would say 99 out of 100 would say yes they should. And although this isn't the same it's it's close enough. The argument is is has the main crow, the main donor that that um, has taken all sorts of money uh, and given it to Thomas for, to go for you know expensive trips. Uh, just came out that Thomas's grandnephew, who he raised as his own, uh, crow paid for his college. That tells me you've got to disclose that so that. There's a complete understanding when one of Crow, Crow didn't make his money just sitting around. He has businesses. So when anything that might impact his business comes before the court, Thomas now has an out. I have to recuse myself, which is exactly what judges are supposed to do. There's a lot of cases where judges should recuse themselves. Thomas, really, with the actions of his, and I'm not saying that Judge Thomas's wife, Ginny Thomas, cannot be a political activist. Go ahead. But if something comes before the court that has to do in the vein of the political activism that Ginny Thomas is involved with, Judge Thomas has to recuse himself. Has to. Now the question is, would he? And so far, I have not seen him recuse, him, recuse himself of anything. It's a tight line, but I think my issue, with, again, always comes back to these people should know better. Has it happened in the past? Absolutely. This, this is nothing new. We've had we've had Supreme Court justices that had to resign because of scandal. But this is this was Judge Roberts, and this is the one criticism I'll give him. This was his opportunity as the Chief Justice, and and I think a lot of people overestimate the power of the Chief Justice compared to the Associate Justices. In the grand scheme of how the Supreme Court works, they all have the same vote. So the Chief Justice has a few administrative duties that the associate justices do not have. There seems to be some misconception that John Roberts is the chief justice, is the chief judge, that his word goes. And he's been on the losing side of these of some of these votes often. No, that's not how it works. So, that, so there's something that people really need to educate themselves as to how the, the Supreme Court actually works, as opposed to what it's perceived to have it works. These are supposedly the greatest legal minds in the United States, and they can't figure this out. So my, the real question comes, is, comes into it is, 
they're appointed for life. Do they believe they're untouchable? Have they risen to the point where they feel, hey, I'm here for life? And there's not a thing you can do about it. And that should concern everyone. So really then, what options are there? It sounds like there aren't any. I'm not going to say there's no options. What I would say is it's an opportunity. This is an opportunity for the the justices of the Supreme Court, and I don't care who appointed them, to, to take a step back and say, all right, fine, let's read the headlines. Let's see where the concerns of the American people are. Let's address them. Many times social change happens because an institution understands that it is under fire by the populace because it is not what the the populace believes that it should do. There's plenty of evidence out there. There's plenty of reporting out there. Now, this does not mean that somebody has to resign or anything like that, but it gives the opportunity for the court to say, okay, fine, we've got this this thing with Thomas. We're going to put in rules that, that from this point forward, you can't do it. None of this is retroactive. And we talked about this before, you know, when we talked about uh, seditious conspiracy. They could change the law today. That does not impact the Proud Boys that were found guilty a week ago. They're still under the old law. And the same would be true of the justices. They could put into place all sorts of guardrails that would, and I think that would, for them, their popularity would rise tenfold simply because they are showing a complete understanding of the need for transparency, impartiality. I was watching David Brooks, who was on PBS, was was having a, was talking. He's conservative, and he goes, "The biggest issue that you've got with the Supreme Court right now is, and it and it's been like this for decades. You can almost tell which judge is going to vote which way depending upon the ideology." That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be ideology. It's supposed to be law. And the fact is, is that today you could sit down and put an issue up there. Let's take uh, the Hobbs decision. There was maybe only one that it was was questionable. All the rest of them, you knew exactly the way they were going to vote. That's not the way it's supposed to work because they're all looking at the same law. When you could put a big case before the Supreme Court and you could say, even before it's been heard, this is going to go 6-3, that's an issue for the court. But this thing with ethics, this is an opportunity for them to say, we hear you, we understand this is why it looks the way it looks to you, and we are going to create rules that are going to ensure that from this day forward, that this does not happen. And the one to do that would have to be the Chief Justice Roberts, correct? I don't think Chief Justice Roberts could do it on his own. He can make the suggestion. There's a lot about the court that is very secretive as far as their procedures, which we won't go into here. Maybe we'll go in a different a different episode. Roberts would, would be the person to initiate it. I think it's got to start with him. He has got, he's got to get the support of, of the other justices. And if he gets the support and they write ethics and then they don't follow them, then, then they don't follow them. And if he makes a suggestion and no one wants to do it, then no one wants to do it. Or only a few want to do it. And there's not enough support. Improvement will happen, and maybe it won't. It will. We will just have to see. Well, I guess it all depends on how they how they write the rules. I, it would really come down to how those rules are written. You can't just say, "I don't." I, I I don't think it goes far enough just to say you will not accept this from donors or or this amount of money. You can only take, and you have to report it. It's not enough to just say that. It's enough to say, and if you do. This is the consequence. You you just can't have a you can't have a, a rule without a consequence to it. 
So a legitimate set of ethical rules for the Supreme Court, written by the Supreme Court, must also include the consequences for not following those rules, or it's meaningless. What I don't understand is why Justice Thomas wouldn't disclose all this in the first place. Well, his his argument was is he didn't think it was necessary. That's that's the argument. Because yeah. under the old rules, it didn't say you had to do that. Well, not not explicitly, it didn't say that. Okay. But a first year law student would have would have you know taken the implication of what was being said. This this is where I'm really really my concern comes. Right. Justice Thomas, who has been sitting on the Supreme Court for a number of years, couldn't figure out something that a first year law student would have been able to figure out. And we're allowing him to make decisions on important cases that impact the entire nation. Either he's he's really bad at jurisprudence, worse than than maybe people thought, or he's just unethical and doesn't care because he's a, a lifetime appointed member of the Supreme Court and there's really nothing you can do about it. So pick your poison. Which is he stupid or is he just unethical? And I don't honestly know which one's worse. But on that note, Brooke, that yeah. is all the time we have again for today. Very yes. interesting conversation about the Supreme Court. Yes. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I, I don't know which is worth worse either. They're both bad. <laughs> that yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, yes, they are they are both bad. I'd love to know the answer, to be honest, what he thought he was doing and accomplishing. My 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 last comment on this would be that if the Supreme Court does not do something to clean its own house, yeah, somebody's going to, yeah, probably not the one you want to do it. Number one, and number two, all this all the secrecy that revolves in the halls of the Supreme Court may come out in the open. Yeah, and I don't think anyone especially those justices want that. So I guess yep. we'll see what happens. We will. We will indeed. So all right, Brooke, again, that's Mark. all we got. That's all the yep. time we got. So we will talk to you again. Yep. Talk to you next time. Take, Take care. care. So there you have our thoughts regarding the issues with Supreme court and ethics of the justices. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the Phoenix research group offering solutions to social issues through independent research. We'd also like to thank our podcast partners, Buzzsprout, who hosts the Nova Society, iHeartRadio, where people get their music and podcasts, and of course, PodKite, our analytical partners. We'd also like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and remind you that if you wish to contact us, we can be reached at nova.society.podcast at gmail.com. And finally, we would always like to remind you that the power of society is knowledge, and we hope to see you again next time.